can be seated. I'm glad you guys said hi. I know COVID world is kind of hard to say hi, isn't it, right? So um, turn around and say hi and bop. I'm a bopper. So everybody's got to be a bopper. All right. You guys got to wake up for me, okay? I'm going to preach. Thank you. Thank you. Start, start a fire. Just takes one. Just takes one. You can uh, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1 as we're going through, and this is our, our theme this year is uh, Acts 29. Of course, just to reiterate that, Acts 29, uh, there are not 29 chapters in the book of Acts. There's 28 chapters in the book of Acts, but in Acts 29, what we're saying is you are still writing the book of Acts, that God is desiring to still use you today to be one of the voices in the kingdom of God. So the Acts 29 means the book is still being written. Isn't that great? The book is still being written, and you are in the book. That's cool. The Bible says, I believe God keeps records. You know that? I do. I believe the Lord keeps records, and I believe that as we keep records, that God literally provides, and and just, we got stories, and I love stories. How many of you guys like stories? I like to hear stories of people being healed. Yeah. I mean, is anybody not like hearing stories of people being healed? Is anybody going to refuse to raise your hand no matter what I say? Thank you, Lewis. All right, Lewis over there. So, but the reality is, is that we can, I love it when I pray for somebody and see them get healed. Yeah? I mean, that's pretty cool, right? I mean, I, I've seen that. I remember uh, just times where I've been in services and seen people healed. I mean, that's just incredible to me. But I believe that God is desiring, it's not just about healing, but it's about us being a voice in the kingdom of God for this world to hear the gospel, the good news, the kingdom of God. That is absolutely uh, just awesome. And so we're going through the book of Acts, scripture by scripture. Now today we're going to skip a scripture, but we're going to go back to it next week, all right? Because this Acts chapter 1, verse 5, we're going to skip that because we're going to be bringing that together uh, later with Acts chapter 2, okay? So we'll be bringing that together. So I just really felt like today this is where we needed to go, so we're going to kind of skip around. And so if you are interested, there's Pew Bibles down there in the Pew Bibles. If you want to grab one, you can turn to page 905, 905, Acts chapter 1, and we're going to read that uh, right now, all right? Acts chapter 1, it says, So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Verse 7, he replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. They are not for you to know. All right. But you will receive power. They say power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. And they said to him, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Father, as we pray again, I just speak to you and thank you. 
Lord, I know that you blessed me with an incredible spiritual father that preached the paint off the walls. Lord, I thank you that today I just ask for a little bit of that anointing. That as we talk about your power and we talk about your might, Father, it's not be a day of, of, of showing off, but a day of eyes being opened up, revelation coming, and Lord, you showing off your presence, you showing off the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we thank you for that now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So the disciples had some questions. The disciples had questions. Now, I'm sure they asked Jesus a lot of questions because this is after Jesus was raised from the dead and he appeared to them, the Bible says, many times over 40 days. Now, we've talked about all that. Now, I will tell you, I, as I said last week, I'm not going to go and do a lot of review because what are we going to do when we get to Acts 28? I can't review 27 chapters, right? So I want to encourage you, if you miss a day, to go back and listen to it. If you need a copy of it, let me know, and we'll, uh, we'll get one for you. But as we're talking about this today, understanding that the disciples were with Jesus, and he, they were asking questions. One of the things they asked to Jesus is, uh, they asked him, Lord, has the time come for, uh, for you to restore our kingdom? Now, you know, anytime I hear something that's kind of more first person or towards me, I, my, 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 my antennas go up a little bit. So are you here to restore our kingdom? So when I read that today, I was kind of like, uh, you know, because it just kind of sticks in me. That's not a, it, it doesn't feel like a humble thing to be saying. It's saying, are you here to restore our kingdom? And I don't know that that's what the disciples meant for that day. But when he said our kingdom, it just kind of got a hold of me like, what was, what were they thinking? What exactly were they going through in their mind? And the reality is, is what they wanted was an earthly kingdom. Everyone was looking for him to restore an earthly kingdom so that you are going to be king just like Caesar was Caesar. You, Jesus, are going to restore a kingdom, meaning that we're going to have our own country, we're going to have our own land, and you are the king of it, and, and, and everyone else in the world is going to bow before us because we're Jews, we're the people. And he says, are you going to restore our kingdom on this day? You know, it kind of made me think about something. Do you remember in the Old Testament where they went to Jesus and they said, we want a king? Or not to Jesus, but they went to the Lord. I mean, it could have been Jesus, but Jesus was alive in the Old Testament, just in heaven, right? But they went to, G went to him and said, we want a king. And the prophet went before God and, and he said, listen, they want a king. And remember how God responded to them. As they began to say, you want a king. Well, if you want a king, fine. He's going to come and take everything that you own. He's going to come and he is going to, uh, I mean, this is not going to be a good thing that you're asking. But if you want a king, I'll give you a king if that's really what you want. And basically what they were saying is, look, we love you. We think you're good, God, but we want somebody on the earth to represent us as a king. Everybody else around us, they have a king and they've got a kingdom. But we, so, so we want one too. 
And you know, as I, I saw this, I almost kind of went back to that wondering, you know, is there something that's the same here as the disciples were looking at him and saying, so you're going to restore the kingdom? Because I was like, you know, maybe they didn't get it yet. And the reality is I kind of wonder on today's world how much we still have that mentality. That we need a, a king on the earth. We're out of a hotbed of a political season. And guys, I do believe with all my heart that the, the, the political world out there is very strong and powerful. But the reality is, is we have a king and it is still Jesus and he is still seated on the throne. No matter who is running our country and doing things, we still have Jesus and he is still seated on our throne. That we are not people without hope. You know, it's like, well, we lost or, or maybe we won or whatever, however which way you fall on it. But the reality is, is somebody still losing as long as we're looking to a man to be our king. And Jesus is still the king. He is still seated on the throne. You know, I will tell you right now, I've made it pretty clear that I don't like a lot of the decisions that have been made even in the past week, and I struggle with some of the things that are being done. But the reality is, is that I have a God that has given me a voice. I have a God that has empowered me, and we are still in a king, a kingdom that is greater than the United States of America, that's greater than any country out there in the world, that we have what, it's an invisible king right now, but it is the kingdom. It is the kingdom. And, and as I look at that and I see the disciples and they said to Jesus, are you going to restore it now? So are we going to have our place? Are we going to have, have, have what you have? And it's almost like Jesus was saying, listen, you're looking at this the wrong way. You're looking at this the wrong way. I know in our flesh we want it all, but, but Jesus is looking. There, there's something else that is out there. Jesus refocused them. He refocused them. And in Acts 1-7, it says, here was his reply. The Father alone has authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. In other words, quit worrying about it. The Father alone is the one who sets those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Quit worrying about, so when is Jesus going to come back? Maybe the rapture is going to happen. You want to get me on my high horse? Is I'm going to tell you, ever since I've been a young kid, anytime something bad has ever happened in the world, Jesus and the rapture was coming, and the church got so caught up as to when the rapture was coming that they missed opportunities for them to begin to show the kingdom of God. It drives me batty. I don't like it at all because we, we get out of focus. We get out of shape. And I tell you what, there's a lot of noise that is going on in this world. And, and you know, what's funny is Bishop's last message that he preached this past Sunday was get rid of the noise and get into the presence. Hear what he is saying. You know, there are some people that I believe are called to, to hear the things that are going on in certain political areas and, and things that are going on with that. There are certain people that have an ability to discern and to grasp and to look at things. But I'm going to tell you, I'm so frustrated right now. I'm so frustrated with the noise that is going on in our media and how it's affecting people's lives. But even more so, how we're letting it affect our lives. You know, I was speaking with somebody last week, and I, 
I just, uh, matter, matter of fact, it was, it was Stephen. We were talking on the phone a little bit. And, you know, Stephen and I, we like to talk and just talk. You know, like we have an idea or a thought. It could be a bad thought, could be a good thought, but we just kind of talk, you know, and we all have the understanding. But we were just talking about something. I said, you know, what's happening right now with COVID? You guys know what COVID is? You guys heard of COVID? Yeah, everybody's heard of COVID. Some of you have felt COVID. Well, what's happening right now with COVID is it is a virus that is that is affecting people, that is a real virus. But when you truly begin to look at a lot of the numbers of the virus, you see that it it is it is not good for some people, but the death toll of it is still extremely low, right? But it is affecting people. You don't degrade what it's doing, but the death toll is still low. But here's the thing that I'm finding is that people that have had the virus, that have went through hard times, as they come out of the virus, there is a fear that has settled on them. This is something I'm recognizing. There is, right now, what is happening is the post-effects of having the COVID virus, the anxiety level that people are dealing with is outrageous. We have people now going to, to psychiatrists, to doctors, and friends of mine, good people that are just literally, their, their whole mind has been changed, and they are so afraid of death. They're so afraid of dying that it's just created this anxiety in them that has literally just just shaped everything that they do, right? And their families are wondering, what are we going to do? All these different things are happening. And I, I, I just, I'm bothered by that, right? I know what anxiety is, right? I used to be a professional anxiety person. I've dealt with anxiety in my life to where it's paralyzed me, to where I could not function in my life, that I had that so strong. And so I know what that's like, so I have a lot of compassion for people that are dealing with that. But the thing that I've come to realize is that the media has done a great job at presenting the fear of this virus. Why? Because it causes ratings to go up. It causes ratings to soar. And the reality is, guys, there are things that are out there in this world today that are more dangerous than COVID, but nobody's talking about those things. We don't share those things. You know, and as Steve and I were talking about, we were talking about how many children in the world are uh, missing in the world today. How many children have been kidnapped? How many times that they have dealt with the, uh, that problem? And if the media preached that every day, if that was on the news every day, how many of you guys know that parents wouldn't let their kids go outside anymore? They would be so worried about when they even walk to school anymore. If they really knew and, and and they started preaching about that every day. Why? Because the more you preach it, the greater the fear comes. The more we put our focus on it, the greater in the problem becomes and increases. And the anxiety that people have when they come, well, all of a sudden, so what is the point? What are you saying? Are you getting on a COVID speech? I'm not getting on a COVID speech. What I'm trying to do is when we put our fears and we put our focus and what we put our focus on is going to bring fruit. So here's the bottom line. Turn off the news. Some of you need to turn off social media. Some of you need to stop having conversations about it. Listen, the world is not going to change if you turn off the news. 
And the news that you are getting is not always total reality. Journalism today is not about telling you a story about what's happening. Journalism today is about sharing their point that's biased. Now, I know that there are people out there that are trying to get honest places of journalism and do the right thing. But your main news stations, I don't buy it. You say, well, Pastor, I don't like what you're saying. You don't have to agree with me, and that's okay. We can disagree. It's all right. But I'm going to tell you today, as a pastoral perspective, I'm watching people walk around in total fear. And it's not a party thing. It is bipartisan. It is something that people are walking around and being afraid of because they put their focus and they, they watch things they shouldn't be watching. They put their attention on things they shouldn't be putting their attention on. When we need to be focused on what God has called us to do and to be in that place God's called us to be. And when we're spending all our time listening to things, especially in the main media sector, what they want to do is get you to eat each other's throats out. So you feel like I'm on a soapbox. Well, I do have a good point. And I, 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 think, I'll, I think you'll leave happy, right? Because I'm telling you, there's a lot of noise out there. And Jesus was looking at them saying, I mean, these are his disciples. And he said, look, quit looking for some king to come and to, to, to come on this earth and establish the kingdom. Start looking to yourself. And so what's he go on to write? Now, guys, I'm not saying, you know, you guys pray about this kind of stuff. Some of you guys, you make your own choices. You're big people. You're adults on what you do, right? But if you're walking around anxious and you're always thinking about this all the time and your thoughts are never upon the Lord, your thoughts are never upon your purpose, then, yeah, you got to turn this stuff off. Some of you might be able to handle it better than me. I mean, there's certain people that if I want to know something, I'll just call them. Tell me what's going on. So Jesus replied, the Father alone doesn't have any authority. And then verse 8, he says, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Jesus told them that the Father alone, he sets the dates but then he said this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When you receive power. In John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus spoke to them about the Holy Spirit coming upon them after he would leave. So he is taking them back to say, listen, remember what I told you. That the Holy Spirit, the one who, who is going to come, the reason I am leaving so that he may come. He is going to come upon you and you are going to have power. The word power comes from the word dunamis. We talked about this before, and it, it isn't like a physical power strength. It's not with the flesh, but it's with the Spirit, and it is the power to override the flesh. It is the power to overcome sickness and disease. It is the power to overcome demonic powers. It is the power to overcome media. It is the power to overcome depression. It is the power to preach the Word of God in places of darkness without fear. It is the power of God to be a witness to those that are around you. The Bible says dunamis is a miraculous power. 
power. And he said, you are going to receive this power when I leave. That it is on the inside of you. Church, do you know there is a power inside of you? That is the last thing the media wants you to know. That's the last thing the enemy wants you to know. That's the last thing that any of this world wants you to know. Is that there is a power working on the inside of you. They don't want you to know this. What's sad is right now in the church, it's a secret. But it's not meant to be a secret, is it? It is a power to go along with the message of the gospel. Do you know that Jesus didn't want you just to preach the gospel? He wanted you to show the gospel. We become just another religious system without power. Jesus never intended the church to be meeting together without power. Jesus never intended for you to, to, to walk on this earth today without power. He always intended for you to do what he did. And he says, and you will be my witnesses. Now, I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to get a little excited. I'm going to get a little excited about this. I'm going to get so excited. I'm going to take my jacket off. Just getting ready. All right? And I'm hot. You see, your power to be my witnesses. Now, it's taken me a while to understand this one. It really has. I've, I've heard this all my life. How many of you guys have read Acts chapter 1 before? Right? I mean, there's a lot of us. We've read Acts chapter 1 before. It's a pretty common place for us, especially if you've ever been to Pentecostal church. I mean, that's our, that's our bread and butter, right? Acts chapter 1 and 2, we love that. And it says that Jesus came to fulfill the promise. So, so Jesus came. To fulfill the promise. And so, understanding witness, all right? So, I, I just said something maybe confused you, so let me clear it up. Jesus was telling his disciples that you're going to be a witness. Now, understand, the disciples were sitting there, and they were listening to Jesus tell them they were going to be a witness. Now, let's not forget that these disciples used to be people that studied the Old Testament, right? They studied the Torah. They studied the prophet books. They studied the, the written letters that were there and all the writings that were there. So they had an understanding. They knew children of Israel. They understood those things, right? And so, because these are all people that were once a, a part of that group, all right? And so Jesus came to, to tell them. And so Jesus came to fulfill the promise that God made to Adam and Eve and all his people. That's why Jesus came. He came to fulfill all that promise. What is that promise, all right? So let me say something to help you. If I struggle understanding something Jesus said, many times I can go back to the Old Testament and get my answer. So it's a pretty cool, unique thing. You know what? I mean, that, that's revelation to me. It, it was this morning when I wrote it down. But if I struggle, and it's really what I kind of do, if I struggle understanding something Jesus said, Paul said, Peter said, any of those, I can usually go back to the Old Testament and get my answer. And so when Jesus said, you are going to be a witness for me, what was he saying that you are going to be a witness for me? Well, I used to go off and teach that, you know, a witness is somebody that says, I was there, I saw it, that's what happened, right? That's what a witness does. But what Jesus was really saying was, was something maybe a little bit more beyond that. Matter of fact, we can look at the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 43, verse number 10. We'll have it up there on the screen. You can write it down, which, by the way, we're working on notes. We're getting better at church, I promise you. All right, so Isaiah 43, 10 says this, But you are my witnesses, O Israel, 
says the Lord, you are my servant. You have been chosen to know me, believe in me, and understand that I alone am God. There is no other God. There never has been and there never will be. Isaiah is writing what God is saying. You are my witnesses, O Israel. Isaiah 44, verse 8 says this. Do not tremble and do not be. Did I not proclaim my purpose for you long ago? You are my witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. Is there any other God? No, there is no other God. No, not one. Israel was called to be a witness to the rest of the world. Have you ever read about the children of Israel and you read the Old Testament and you kind of feel like it's just all about them? But Jesus, or, or God spoke to them and said, I'm going to make you a blessing so that you can be a blessing. And Isaiah says, you are here to witness to the rest of the world that I am the only God. And he did it through miraculous works and wonders. How many of you guys know in the Old Testament, I mean, they're full of powerful and mighty things that the world always tries to say, those are just good stories, but they didn't really happen. But the reality is, is they did happen. And Jesus, as they happened to Israel, they were supposed to be something for the Israelites to get excited about and tell the rest of the world that he is God. Every time Jesus would go into another land, Israel would conquer that land, or they would have something. You would hear people say something to the Israelites, is the God of Israel, the God of Israel. I'm afraid of the God of Israel. He'll destroy us. He will overcome us because he is powerful. Israel was always supposed to be a voice, was always supposed to be a witness that there is only one true God, and he is it. How many of you guys know that when Jesus came and he spread the gospel to the Gentiles, that wasn't his first time he ever wanted to do that. He wanted to do that since the beginning of time. He always wanted everybody to know who the one true God was. Always wanted people to know. From the very beginning. And Isaiah says to Israel, you are my witnesses, O Israel. So here are the disciples they're sitting there listening to Jesus. Now I'm going to tell you what, Israel didn't do their job. And when Jesus came, he came to fulfill it. And that's what he did. And so when he's looking at his, these children of Israel, you know what he's looking at them? He says, guess what? You're my witnesses, and there is a power on the inside of you. There is a power on the inside of you. You see, when I walked on this earth, and I laid hands on the sick, and I saw them recover, that same power that's in me, that is working on the inside of you. When I picked up the mud, and I wiped it on their eyes, and I told him to go clean off his eyes, and the blind man began to see, that same power is working on the inside of you. When I told Peter to go out and fish, and there was a fish that came in, and there was a coin on the inside to pay your taxes. God will provide in everything that we're doing. He is, there is a power that is inside of you. But I'm telling you what church, that power's lie dormant for way too long in the church. I mean, I believe the church, not just Perry Assembly of God, but the church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ needs to understand that there is a power working inside of them. And that power is real. It is right. 
right? And it is the power that literally will usher back the coming of the kingdom of God. It is not a president that's going to do it. It's not Congress that's going to do it. Some people said, you don't trust Congress. No, I don't trust Congress. No, I don't trust Congress. No, I don't trust the Senate. No, I don't trust our government. I don't want to give them any more money because they don't do anything right with the money we already give them. That's just where I'm at. That's my personal opinion. That has nothing to do with, with, with the sermon. Except for the fact of this, is that I cannot put my trust in them. I never could put my trust in them. I can't put my trust in a human being as I put my trust in the Lord. And there is a power that is on the inside of me. And Acts says that we are called to be a witness. A witness to the reality that Jesus Christ is still Lord. And He is still the King of Kings. And there is only one true God. And that we have a voice that we can begin to preach to this world. That Jesus is alive. He is not dead. He has been risen from the tomb. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And we are seated next to Him. And it's time for the church to wake up to that reality. And begin to see that there is a kingdom out there. Now I know I'm preaching good, but I know I'm going to preach real good when you leave the doors today and something changes in your life and you realize there's a power in there. How many of you guys know God's called you to weird? Jesus was flat out weird to everybody. What the world sees is weird. I'm going to tell you what, for a long time, the world has tried to look at the church and said, you don't fit in the box. And the church has said, well, let us try to fit in your box. That's the problem. We don't fit in the box because we're supposed to make the box. We are to be the voice and the witness of the kingdom of God to all the earth today. We have a generation of people. I'm going to tell you what our young people are looking for because they're torn in all kinds of different places. They're, they're being challenged in all kinds of different areas. And you know what? They want to see the real Jesus. They want to see the Jesus that, that died on the cross and was raised from the dead and overcame death, hell, and the grave. They want to see the Jesus that healed the sick. They want to see the Jesus that the preacher didn't just preach a message, but there was action that came. That, that when I preach today, when you preach today by going to work and you see actions around you, that there is a belief in you that there is a power inside of you to do something in the kingdom of God. These young people are tired of seeing people die when they're not meant to die. They're ready to see something. We have a generation, I'm telling you this, that I believe has an opportunity to see greater works than we've ever seen before in our life. But if we're, but I'm going to tell you this, we're a generation that's supposed to open the door for them. What do you mean by open the door for them? Not just by encouraging them, but how many of us are going to get hungry to really say, God, what is that power inside of me? What is that power inside of me? I'm going to tell you what, I've heard of stories. I've heard of stories that people that come to church with alcoholism and their hands are laid upon them and they're instantly released from it and instantly delivered from alcoholism in their life. I've heard of people that have been strung up on drugs that have been instantly delivered by just laying on of hands and God miraculously healing them. I know sometimes it's a process, but I believe in the instantaneous as well. I believe that God can do things automatically. 
There is a power that I believe is desiring to rise up in the body of Christ. And I pray today that I could just stir some of that up on the inside of you. That the Holy Spirit, he's speaking to you right now. And he's saying, listen, don't just sit there and just be dormant with what's being said. But Father, I'm asking you right now, show me that power. I'm asking you right now, show me how to tap into it. Show me how to look on the inside and say, is there a power that is real? Miraculous power. I'm tired of just coming to church and people leaving here the same as when they showed up. I'm tired of hearing amen, but your amen is only temporary. I'm tired of in my own life praying for the sick and seeing them die. Well, what's the problem? Well, it just must not be God's will. The problem is I can't see that in the Bible. The other problem is, is I got to humble myself. Say, Father, you show me. You show me. Jesus, he left them. And then all of a sudden, something incredible happened. You see, there is a message. Jesus is coming again. Acts 1, 9 through 11 says, after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. They could no longer see him. As they strained to see him, rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. And they said, men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven the same way you saw him go. You know what they were saying? I mean, can you imagine you're standing there with Jesus and you're seeing him go like a balloon going up into the air, right? I mean, have you ever seen a balloon released into the air? And you watch, you watch. I mean, literally, I don't know what it is, but it's fun to watch a balloon go up into the air until you can't see it anymore. And the Bible says they were straining. And all of a sudden, two Men in a white robe showed up. And they said, men of Galilee, what are you worried about? He'll be back just like he came. In other words, get to work. He's coming. He is coming. He is coming. There's a lot of differences in eschatology. But there is one thing that stays constant in the end times. Jesus is coming back. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. But until he comes, there's a power inside of you. I like a quote that I read last week. Is the kingdom is known on the earth when you do the will of God. The kingdom is known on the earth when you do the will of God. So, Father, I just pray over every person in this place. I lift them up to you right now for a desire. Lord, I remember when Pastor Ted spoke in our church about desire. Where is the desire? Where is the desire? Lord, 
what I ask of myself. It's what I ask of the people in the church. Where is your desire? Father, are we willing to dig deep and say, what is this power that you spoke about? Teach me about this power that you spoke about. Lord, I thank you for opening our eyes up to understand it. I want you guys to look at me for just one second. Something just hit me. You know, before Jesus left, the Bible says, did not say he laid hands on them and released them. He didn't do it. Maybe, I mean, maybe he did. I mean, he didn't say he did. You know, it seems like a lot of times in church we get to where we're accustomed to something only happens if somebody lays hands on me. And then, when I feel it, I know it's there. But I believe the Lord's moving us into a different place. And I believe in laying hands on people. Jesus said to lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. You can lay hands on people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible's very accurate about that. And there's something very powerful about laying on of hands. How many of you guys know, even in a COVID world, you can lay hands on people, right? But here's the thing. I believe the Lord is taking us, and that song just comes up in my head. I just want to be where you are. You know what that song tells me? About? It's a song about intimacy. I want to be where you are, Jesus. Um, but that song was a song of intimacy and here's something I really I, I, I often I look at um, Kenneth Hagin he was healed off his deathbed he's healed Oral Roberts same situation he's healed his deathbed spent some time hanging out with uh, uh, with Jim Hockaday and just you know when I get around guys like that I don't I want to hear what they say and then I want to read more into it, right? Like, I want to look at them because there's something about them, the choice, the things. It's not that they're God. It's just them. And there's an intimacy with God that is a common thread in all of these guys that they literally got before the Lord and asked him questions. And there was a connection to the Holy Spirit that led them to the answer that caused fruit and power. You guys understand? I mean, Brother Hagin taught us all about faith and how to walk in faith. But how many people struggled walking in faith after even not hearing all that? Because there's something they missed. They got the principle, but they didn't get the person. Does that make sense? 
I want the person. I want the person. I want the person. I'd love to just do an altar call right now and just say, I'm going to lay hands on you for do you receive the power of God? I just don't believe it's the right way to do it. Today. Maybe another day. Why don't you ask him, how do I walk in this power, you say? Jesus, my Savior, my friend, my brother, show me. Show me. And I have Amy just, I know we're later than normal. You can go if you need to go. We already took the offering up, so we're good. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. You're welcome to go. But I'm going to ask Amy just for a moment to sing that chorus. I just want to be where you are. And I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and picture Jesus. And ask him anything you want to ask him. And then as you do that, can you do that every day? Can you even do it maybe with the Bible opened up and said, Jesus, you said there's a power that would come. Can you teach me? And just begin to be obedient to what he tells you to do. And realize he may say something to Pastor Brett that's one, but he may say something different to Stephen. How many of you guys know Jesus rarely healed someone the same way twice? It wasn't a system. He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. That was his system. Amen. Amy, just sing that chorus and just, just soak on this. Just take a moment to do this. I can't get enough No, I can't get enough Of your unfailing love Jesus, I can't get enough I can't walk away
You know, as we're singing this, we say, I just want to be where you are. I just felt like Jesus just said, I am where you are. I am where you are. When you go to work, I'm with you. walk into the store, I'm with you. When you're in your house, I'm with you. When you hug your wife, I'm hugging her too. When you tell your children that you love them, I'm saying it too. I love them. He is with us. Amen. I love you guys. I do. But he loves you more. He loves you more. And he's in you. Amen. Well, I love you. I, I don't know what else to say. It's just a good presence in here and hang out, whatever you want to do. But you're dismissed. Amen. Love you guys. Praise the Lord. Yeah.